Welcome back, bald jugglers. It's so nice to have you. My phone just died and I just <laughs> had that part that I just sent you on it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I dropped all the balls. <laughs> she snorted. <laughs> I'm Stephanie Dinsmore. And I'm Jody Lockie Doosling. We're two therapists with 33 years of collective experience in the mental health field. Tune in as we get comfortable to talk about things like self-improvement, growth, relationships, traumatic experiences, and more. Together, we'll discuss neuroscience, attachment, and trauma, and look at holistic and alternative approaches beyond the counseling space. Let's just talk about it. Where did that just get pulled from? I have no idea. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Welcome back, ball jugglers. It's so nice to have you again. So nice to see you all again. Yeah. I'm not seeing them. That didn't make sense. <laughs> what so, what do so, I normally just say? Just say, like, so nice to be with you again. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Oh, so nice to be with you again. We are in our third mini-series, so we have covered mind and body, and now we're going to go into our third mini-series on spirituality, where we cover what we're going to call soul. So we're going to do mind, body, and soul, and that's going to wrap up our first season of Therapists Off the Clock. Thanks, Steph. I love that. You know, we focused a lot in our, probably in our first eight years of, of therapy in the cognitive model of things. So that idea of, you know, the mind. Mm -hmm. And then we took a switch and we went to the somatic part of things. So again, the body. And now the final part of this for me, which will be a forever process, is the soul. And it was one thing that was really missing from mine. I can definitely appreciate that. I think when you say eight years of cognitive therapy, I actually think I did it for quite a bit longer, maybe even 12 or 13 years. And I started to really dive into my own personal growth, um, especially when I was sick several years ago, which I know you and many of our listeners know about. And I was sick for about five years. And so I did a lot of my own body work. And from that, what had happened professionally was I started to dive into therapeutic modalities um, with my clients that really then spoke to my and body and like yeah what you're saying now we're kind of working to discover and implement long term that soul work as well with our clients yeah and all of it is so interconnected it's all one system so you literally can't separate one from the other i find if there's an imbalance with any of the three they will all be out of whack mm -hmm. and so being able to integrate a practice that is really focused on bringing all of them together is was the missing link for me mm -hmm. personally which then leads me to professionally so through all our trainings and everything we're able to do professionally we implement them on ourselves first oh, definitely. because i'm not teaching anything to anybody that i have not tried on myself. So let me tell you, the soul work has been the hardest. It is the hardest. It's the most draining. Most draining, most fulfilling, mm -hmm. a really weird dichotomy, draining and fulfilling. Yeah, one of those dialectics yeah. that we yeah, love so right. much, yet where both can be true. And it, yeah, it's such a big piece of it's kind of energetic work. And then there's days where you feel completely drained, like you can't do anything because that soul searching or that soul diving that we do can be very deep. It can be very rooted in our inner child and in our trauma. Um, and then yet when we come out on top of that, it's amazing how resilient we are and what we see and how we see things differently. And how you can't ever unsee them again. So yeah. that is the beautiful thing about neuroscience is that once you go with it, you can't 
you're not going to undo those. Mm-hmm. You're you're priming yourself for new neural connections. And so everything that we do is setting up for the next period or step of growth. There is no like finality or final growth. It's a forever evolving process. And I think just as soon as I think that I figured it out, I'm like, nope, I have a whole new route to go. And so now there's a huge piece of acceptance in that of the unknown is okay. And actually, I welcome it now. But let me tell you, I didn't always because mm-hmm. it can we can live in that fear almost like it where we think about it all the time. The anxiety comes up. We feel that fear in our bodies. We might feel avoidant or resistant to that change. And I think both of us have discovered in the last for me, at least the last two months, you the last year, it is definitely been some deep work. Yeah, really deep work. And soul work is really what I've been calling it. And I have to be honest, uh, I had a really difficult time in the last few months, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, probably the last year. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, even some phases of dissociation, which uh, I think is important to to state, because a lot of people may not even realize that they've had phases of that. Um, and again, for those of you that maybe don't know, it's our body's automatic reaction to responding to things that are too big. So when our nervous systems are overwhelmed, our body will naturally naturally, you know, uh, shoot different things like cortisol and adrenaline in us so that we can survive. But it means that we're essentially almost stepping out a little bit of the present moment and going into autopilot. And so the soul work kind of helps you reintegrate that, that, you know, even though I felt like, you know, there was a lot of trauma and loss in my life this year, that I'm actually starting to see myself in the post-traumatic growth side of things now. Yeah, and I even have an example of where I experienced dissociation more recently was when I had to put my two-and-a-half-year-old Mastiff down in December. So we had to put him down. Uh, The prognosis was bone cancer, and it was a really difficult day. Um, Also had a few of my own appointments that day, and I just remember that evening um, driving, and I dropped my daughter off at her friend's house, and I said to myself, I'm going to go to the movie theater, and I'm going to grab some popcorn and I'm gonna go home and watch a movie just because just because that's going to make me feel a little bit better and I actually remember getting to the theater standing in line and completely dissociating and then the gentleman was like ma'am are you you know are you ordering something and I was like oh my goodness um I forgot I was actually there um and it's just because that that day in and of itself was so overwhelming it was so surprising that we had to make that decision and so quickly and he was only two and a half years old my best fur friend. And yeah, so I I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, Even in my mind, just thinking about it now, I can picture myself standing there and not even realizing I was in that moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look back, there is an element of grief in in an identity of ourself in a part of ourself in in the outsider looking in to that scenario. And I remember saying to you at the time, the only job you have to do right now is be gentle with yourself and give yourself so much love and compassion. And I think that's a really big missing link um, in Western society and hustle culture in, you know, individualist societies that we were never meant to live this separate, this individual, and this dissociated. Well, in lots of other cultures, actually, we're actually one of the few cultures in the world, really, that live so individualistic. And so the collectivist is the village, the people, the community, the connection. And without that, we do feel moments of dissociation and and the inability to connect back with ourselves. And so uh, thanks for sharing that stuff, because that was a really difficult time for you. Yeah. And it even reminds me, as you're saying that, uh, when we incorporate social media and thinking Mm -hmm. about 
know, how much people are, the time people are on their phones, their devices, um, you know, TikToks, all of those things. We're so disconnected all of the time. And I think the more that we engage in social media and we're not in that kind of community mindset, the further isolated we are and the more um, removed. Yeah, I think that you're entirely right. And, you know, what there are ways that we can connect through social media. There yes. are ways that we can have sense of community and connection. Um, but there's a lot of uh, other ways that we are not with doom scrolling yeah. and, you know, comparative work and all sorts of pieces that pop up as, as a result of social media, like we've talked about before. But what might be the reason why, you know, our society wants to keep us so busy and distracted and avoid it like in this dismissive kind of period. Mm -hmm. I think about that all the time is like, why are we so disconnected and we're not questioning it more? And I do think that's so important as we talk about the soul work, because that when we talk about soul work, we're becoming more connected with ourselves, with our environment, with our relationships, with people around us. And I do think we actually start to see things differently. Yeah, and I think that social media really feeds into the idea of ego, right? Like the outward mask, the thing that we show to everybody, but that we all know is not necessarily true. And, you know, why do we want to keep people down and, and, and busy and avoided and distracted? Well, because that is the culture of buying, of consuming, right? If yeah. people are unhappy, depressed, disconnected from partners, from family, from children, um, you know, we reach for it in other ways. And so that that idea of capitalism is really a, a huge part of that. It is. And I just think back to during COVID times when the world was kind of shut down, a lot of people, people that we know made different decisions, maybe it's sold their homes, moved to countries like Costa Rica, started mm, a new a life. And uh, there was one family in particular that I was able to connect with when I went to Costa Rica and just hearing her uh, reflection of making those decisions. And she's like, when I lived in Canada and when I, you know, I was home every day, my kids were in school, my partner was working. I actually went to HomeSense almost every single day, spent a ridiculous amount of money and it was on stuff, stuff that I didn't need, but it brought me a little you know, a bit of joy and happiness in that moment. She's like, I've moved to Costa Rica. I don't even know if I've been to the shopping mall. Right. And like, I was so shocked to hear that. And it stuck with me since hearing that because I'm like, wow, we are, you know, we are just kind of have these blinders on and we just go about every single day, hustle, 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 work really hard. And then we go to the mall and we buy more things. Right. And it just is a perpetual cycle mm -hmm. of con consumption. Yeah. And avoidance, really. And, and being in a place of uh, numbness as opposed to contentment. Yeah. And so when we're talking about ego, what would you say, like, how much do we do that's really driven by our ego? I would say, honestly, most of us do everything driven by ego. And I don't think that, I think I said in one of the podcasts, like, it didn't feel inauthentic to me. I in still that moment. No. Yeah. yeah. It still felt very real. But now I look back and I'm like, everything was driven by ego. Yeah. 100%. Everything. Even right now, I'm planning my daughter, or my, sorry, I'm not planning my daughter's second birthday. My partner is because it was really important to him to do. And not that, it, you know, acknowledging her birth isn't important, but I was just imagining let's not throw a big party and spend all the money and do all the things. And you know what? It was important to him. I said, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, even reflecting back on some of those pieces, I think I'm going to do things differently. That's less important to me now to spend that kind of money and, you know, just put out all these 
beautiful photos on Instagram because honestly, guys, that's not the reality of my life. My life is pretty difficult every single day and I don't want anyone to think that it's rainbows and butterflies because that's not the case. No, and that's all we see on social media with yeah. people, right? So there is this huge I, you know, misunderstanding of how houses actually run like mm-hmm. and what things run like. And, you know, Peter Levine is one of my, um, my favorite uh, psychotherapists and he talks a lot about uh, attachment in children. And one of the biggest problems with attachment nowadays is that us parents are on our phone all the time. And I'm guilty. Like, I'm guilty of this, too, a lot less now because my phone is like a pestering thing to me now. Currently dead. Sensory overload and currently (laughs) dead um, because I use it so much. So much, And, you know, but I thought of this and, and really it's such a disservice to children because we're not attuned. We're not attached. We should be focusing on what they need in the moment and the present, you know, attunement and connection that we have. And it's not happening. No, that's so true. And I even catch myself in moments with my two-year-old now where I'll just have my phone and, you know, maybe my phone's ringing or maybe I get a notification and I quickly look at it, but then I get, you know, so easily drawn into whatever app I click on. And then before I know it, I've been on it for five minutes when really that's been, should be my playtime. And did they design this purposely to do this, right? Like we think of dopamine rushes that Mm -hmm. the average, you know, time that something can even keep our attention now is within like 10 seconds. I know. And we have to retrain our nervous system. Part of soul work is to really look at how do we calm our nervous systems back down? We shouldn't be doing 17 tasks at one time. We should be doing things one mindfully and in the present moment. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed everything is so task oriented now. Like we have to, there's always checklist and to-do list and tasks to complete. And we're missing the whole point of connection with humans. Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. Even in the jobs that we do, yes, there's that connection to humans in that moment or that hour that we're sitting with someone, but then there's all the administrative work outside of that, um, maybe the business components of it, answering all the calls. And then that's the work that I'm like, oh, that's not where my heart truly lies, you know, because I want to be connecting with people. And I think that leads me to the next point, Steph. So how do we build ourselves? How do we fix the soul work? And the one thing that I thought about was, you know, we spend the first, when I think of evolution, we spend the first part of our lives very ingrained in the task. It's very systemized to us through school, through work, through people, through structures, whomever. And it's always about what needs to be done. And so, you know, this is different for everybody, obviously. But, you know, when I grew up, uh, the needs or the tasks that were kind of primed to me were go to school, get a job, get a career, stay in that career forever, get a car, get a partner, buy a home, get married, have a baby, have a family, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for people. But then I started to think about why do I still feel empty even though I have all these things that everybody promised me would make me feel whole? Mm -hmm. And why? Well, you know, because the second part of our life is actually now forgetting about all those tasks and looking at what is authentic to us. Like, what does it mean to live, as we talked about in the previous podcast, totally and utterly authentically? What serves us? What part of our energy doesn't serve us anymore? You know, what used to maybe serve us, but maybe is not feeding our ego in the same way? Like, we're trying to get rid of that ego. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot sense and even when we talk about living in an authentic selves taking our mask off doing that holistic work when we really peel back all of those layers we don't have social media we don't necessarily um we're not in, invested in that hustle culture we're really taking a step back maybe starting our mornings a little bit slower very intentional with breath work or meditation yoga and just doing those little simple tasks you might be surprised how interconnected you feel with your soul. 
and how much you miss when you're busy and distracted. I cannot believe how much I missed in terms of my gut, my intuition. You know, I actually have all the answers. I know the path I want to go on. I know the things I want to do, but I couldn't slow down enough to listen to it. Well, and I think that's a scary thing. And we've said this to one another over the years, because if you know us individually and collectively, we are busy bees, we do all the things. <laughs> but what Jody and I have learned for ourselves and about one another is that we often say to one another, whoa, slow down, you're doing too much. Um, it's okay. Like, let's just maybe do that in a few months when we have a bit more time. And I think for both of us, we've had moments in our lives where our bodies actually stopped us and said, no more, like uh, my, your brain, your body your heart can't take anymore and we've had moments of being ill and unwell and now we're kind of coming out on the other side of that Um, and it's kind of interesting how it's happening to us almost at the same time where we're really diving into this soul work and we're kind of we're healing really we're healing we're healing our inner child we're listening to those childhood wounds that we didn't even know existed you know, there is sometimes a, a time in, in place that sometimes at this part of life or stage of life, if we have safety and containment, we are able to look at things, even repressed memories that perhaps didn't come out in previous times of life. And so now is the time to do this soul work. Now is the time to look at that. And we have little children looking up to us and we want to show them that we want them to live authentically and do the things they actually care about, make space for creativity and time to listen to their intuition. And part of that is by creating quiet and space, which is not something I knew. Like when we, no, we've been through the educational systems for, I mean, forever now, 10 years post-secondary, and it, it's always busy. It's hustle culture. It's reinforced in every way. And now we're saying, no, actually, I need time for quiet mm-hmm. and put space between us and things. And I'm noticing even as we're talking and interacting, we're asking each other, like, is this energy serving you? Is this is this something that is actually like, you know, helping you thrive and feel resilient? Are you feeling passion or is it draining you? And it's something to take a step back and say, what in my life is a good input and what is not a good input? Or where am I putting energy on things that I can't even control anyway? No, I totally agree with that. And I think a big piece too is even just taking a step back to realize where can I make small changes in my life? So maybe it's things that you don't love doing. So cleaning the house, maybe that's something a task that you hire out because in reality that you have more time with your partner, with your family, with your children. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, I think that's what we all want is a little bit more time. We want to be more present and yet it's something we struggle so much to do. Yeah. And the idea of quality time, right? So we just had the holidays and and something our family did was focus less on presence and more on experiences. So we actually looked at like, how can we spend quality time together? What can we book to do together? And it doesn't have to be something big. It could be a walk on the beach. It could be whatever that looks like for your family and not spending so much time on what it needs to look like on social media or, you know, how expensive it is or how grand it is or those sorts of things, because those were not times that I felt more fulfilled. I actually felt more empty in some of those times. Mm-hmm. And if this came up as a conversation uh, with my immediate family and my teenager actually asked me, when are we going to sit down and have dinners together again? And I was like, whoa. You know, this is something that I was always on top of as a parent um, when she was smaller growing up, probably till about 12. And for whatever reason around that age, probably because when I started my doctorate, I got away from cooking dinner and we got away from sitting at the dinner table as a family. And now a few years later, she's like, are we ever going to do that again? And I'm realizing, whoa, like that's such a key and important piece as a family because that's the time that we say, hey, how was your day? 
how did things go? Oh, it didn't go great. Like, let's talk about it. Um, let's get connected. And I feel that there is just such a disconnection even in my own home right now because that's one simple thing that we could do. Mm-hmm. Sit down and eat together. Consume yeah. food. The other thing, too, is uh, something we've integrated in our house is asking our daughter, you know, is there anything we need to apologize for today or uh, take accountability for or identify or and, and she's really starting to open up about it and say, oh, yeah, like this morning when this happened and I was like, I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah, that's interesting. So if we're not dealing with those, those become stuck points. Those become those things that that stay there. Right. And so why is soul work important? Because if we stay distracted and avoided, we will never grow. We will never shift. We will never evolve. And we want our next generation to evolve. We want them to, you know, focus more on connection and community and less on consumption and ego and less on tasks and more on connection and collectivism. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that so much more with people that are our age and who have young kids is I think that we're having these conversations and they're noticing it a little bit more that we need to do more of that soul work. I think our children are more involved than us. That's why. Yeah, it's so true. And I guess one final point that um, has really stuck with me is something that you shared with me, Jody, just about 2024 being a, a year of energy and of growth. And I already feel that. I already feel like the energy is very different. So it'll be really exciting to see what kind of soul work we're going to get into this year, but also maybe to hear about our listeners and what soul work you're getting into. So as we wrap up our first episode on spirituality and talking about soul, you're going to look forward to in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about those energy levels and how we connect to our higher purpose. So thank you so much for joining us today for our first episode of Soul Work, and we will see you soon, ball jugglers. Keep raising your vibrations. <laughs>